Nice to see you today. You know, it's a beautiful thing to be able to, to be together and to, ha- and to celebrate this thing called communion, to celebrate the Lord's table together. And I just, I just love watching you all, us all, go up to the table and, and take the elements and participate in those. And I see joy in your face when you recognize somebody in the, in the line, you know, or you're making space for one another as you get there, which is just a simple little piece of what it looks like to make space for people in our lives and to be able to make room for people in our lives and to say, I let you go first in the name of Jesus in my life. Just a beautiful thing. So uh, I just have enjoyed participating in that uh, journey together with us all today. Thank you. Uh, let's see. My name's Brad. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, I want to invite you into something before we look into Scripture today and, and kind of participate in God's story. We have, these, we have this great desire to be connected to one another. And we know the church is big enough that it's hard to be connected to one another well. And so we created these things called mid-sized groups. And the whole idea of a mid-sized group, it's smaller than this size. Because this size is hard to get to know everybody. It's hard, you know, you, you, you know you, like you guys are going to communion back there and you're coming up here and we don't see everybody. And they've got other gatherings. It's a little bit hard to be, to be connected sometimes. And then there's our small groups, which we really love, but you get connected to some, peop- some people really closely, but then your circle's a little bit tight and maybe small. So we have these mid-sized groups, and the whole idea is to broaden our connection, but really to be connected. So last Sunday night, we hosted our Empty Nesters mid-sized group, which is my group. And uh, so we hung out together. It was great, great conversation, a lot of laughter around the tables and around food. Really, really fun. But some of you go, well, I'm not in that group. You should be, but okay, you're not there, so that's all right. So and some of you, you're, in a, you're like in a young family stage. We've got a mid-sized group for you. It's come, the, the gathering for that's coming up next week, and uh, that group's got some traction because young families are like, I've got to get to that group because I'm tired of talking to two-year-olds, you know? So you're like, okay, so you get involved. And then we got a, a group for uh, parents of teens, and that's been our group that's had a little bit of a tough time getting traction, and I don't know if it's because like, you've had it up to here. Do you say that? Yeah, so I, I, I've, I've heard that before. Uh, anyway, I may have said that before. I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know what it is with parents of teens. If it's like I, my, my plate is full enough, I don't know, you know, I don't know if I'm going to spend time getting connected. But we really believe that that time when you're parenting teenagers is such a challenging time and so helpful to get connected to others. So we want to invite you into that one. That's coming up in a couple of weeks. You can see the date in Lakeside Life, but really would like to have you. If you feel like that's where I am in my stage of life, then come and join us for that. And by the way, some people have said, well, I don't really fit into any of those categories. All those categories are arbitrary. Pick which one you want to go to. You know, some people are like, I got little children. I got teenagers. I got both. Well, then go to both groups, you know, or, or pick one, you know. If you're 32 years old and you're like, I want to hang out with seniors, then go to the seniors group. Fantastic. If you're 75 and you go, I want to hang with the young families, and boom, go to the young families. See how easy this is? Get connected. Get involved. Get connected. Because we really think that's going to be helpful to your journey with Christ. Okay? All right. Let's talk about some things from the, from the story of God today. Uh, have you ever heard the phrase, mission critical? You know that phrase? Yeah, some of you are engineers, you know what it is. Mission critical is like, if this fails, if this one piece of our project fails, the whole thing fails. It is mission critical, right? So mission critical, you know, in designing software, I have no idea what mission critical is, but I'm sure there's a lot of things that might be mission critical. I know this, there's something that's mission critical to Baskin Robbins. (laughs) This is the level of my life. 
Uh, yeah, you know what? What's mission critical to Baskin Robbins? You go in there and what's mission critical? Ice cream. Yeah, ice cream. I mean, yeah, there's, there's refrigeration. That's probably, that's probably mission critical, but not like immediately because you could have shakes, you know. So that, you know. But the ice cream really matters. If, if you go into Baskin Robbins and somebody forgot to put the ice cream cartons in the freezer case today and I can't get ice cream, epic fail. Baseball, spring training is going right now, and I'm going in a couple of weeks. And uh, there's mission critical in baseball. It is not mission critical to pay $330 million for a player to play for your team for 13 years. You can win or lose without that dude. You know what's mission critical in baseball? The equipment manager. You know why? Because you cannot play baseball if there are no bats. You can't play baseball if there are no baseballs. And the equipment manager is the one that gets all that stuff ready. So there's things that are mission critical. You know what's mission critical in church? People, yeah, people, yeah, people are important. Yeah, that's true. Here's what's, here's what, and you could, you know, there's a lot of things. In a lot of organizations, there's a lot of things that could be mission critical. It's not always just one thing. But in the church, this is true. Missions is mission critical to the church. Missions is when we say, we're going to send people out. We're going to go out. We're going to invade our community and invade the region and invade the world in the name of Christ. Because we have a mission. Now, the church is not the first one in history to have a mission. Everybody, every organization these days has a mission. It's on the wall. No one pays any attention to it, but it's there. Everyone's got one of those. But I'm talking about like a mission that drives somebody. That You don't have to ask what's on the wall. It just drives you. And the church is not the first one to have those. Like Alexander the Great came before the church was ever created by Jesus. So Alexander the Great had a mission. What was it? Rule the world. Then Julius Caesar came along, and he had a mission. What was it? Rule the world. And then Jesus came along, and he had a mission. What was it? Save the world. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Have you played this game before? (laughs) Yeah, Jesus' mission was to save the world. And And then he started this thing called church, launched it out in the world. He said, I want you guys to be my missionaries. See, a lot of organizations have missions, but the church is the one that has missionaries. If you go to the dictionary and you look up missionary, they will have a definition that is church-centric. Here's the definition. A missionary is a person sent by a church into an area to carry on evangelism or related activities such as education and hospital work. Missionary, a person sent by a church. Why? Because missions is mission-critical to the church at lakeside that's been our that's been our driving factor for all these years we've been in existence we we want to we want to drive the mission of christ forward but where did it begin when when churches started sending out missionaries where did that begin did it begin in the 1800s did it begin in the 1600s where'd that begin it actually began in the bible actually began in the story of the new testament so let's look at that if you have your copy of the scriptures with you why don't you open up to acts chapter 13 if you don't have a copy, that's cool. If you uh, have your smartphone and you want to follow along, you can download the YouVersion Bible app. And under the events section, we've got a note in there. and We've got the Bible verses we're going to talk about today. And uh, you can follow along with that if you like to. Uh, or you can just listen. That's fine as well. All right. Acts chapter 13. Here's a story of how missions and missionaries began. Verse 1. 
Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So after they'd fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And there's a story of the first missionaries ever. So they start in this town called Antioch. Antioch is about 300 miles north of Jerusalem. It's not in the nation of Israel. It's now on what is the border between Syria and Turkey. And uh, Antioch has some significant uh, space in church history. So, for example, when, when Jesus left, when Jesus ascended into heaven, he left his, his followers there in Jerusalem. They all just hunkered down in Jerusalem. They're like, we love Jesus. Yes, we do. And we're staying right here in Jerusalem. And they stayed there for years. Even though Jesus said, go out to Jerusalem and Samaria and the rest of the world. Go out. They didn't. They stayed right there until persecution came. And when the persecution came, they said, we're going like, no one wants to stay there when there's persecution. Like, boom, they're out. And one of the major places they went to was this city called Antioch. Now, when they got to Antioch, another thing that sets that town apart in the early church story was the people that were Jesus' followers there were surrounded by Gentiles. That wasn't true in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, they were surrounded by Jewish people. So when they talked about Jesus to people, they were talking to Jewish people. But when they got to Antioch, now they're surrounded by Gentiles, non-Jewish people. So they start telling their Gentile friends about Jesus. And now the mission starts going out to Gentile people, people like me, maybe people like you. The other thing that's notable about Antioch and its history in the church is that Antioch was the place where Jesus' followers were first called Christians. You know, we we refer to one another as Christians these days. We refer to ourselves like, I'm a Christian. And we look at that sort of as a badge of honor and identifies me with Jesus. But that was not a name that Christians took for themselves. That was a name that the other people around them put on them. They said, you just think you're like Jesus. You guys are a bunch of little Jesus people. You're You're a bunch of little Christ people. And the way that came out was, you're Christians. And it was a pejorative term. It was a put-down term. You Christians. Like that. But the Christians end up saying, oh, thank you for that. You've seen Jesus in me. That's awesome. You see Christ in me. That's awesome. That's what I want. And they were first called Christians. We were first called Christians in Antioch. Now, in Antioch, they're having a worship time, and there's, there's a list of these people, prophets and teachers that were there in, uh, in Antioch, and it, and it lists their names. Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Manaen, and Saul. It lists their, their names, which is really interesting. They probably had a pretty decent-sized group, kind of a big group, but, and yet they know people's names. How did they know people's names in the church? It's because they filled out a connect card. <laughs> Have you? Thank you, everybody else. Would you do that, please? And then drop in the offering basket. So maybe your name's going to be in there someday. So write it down. Put it in the offering basket. Good. So here's these guys. They're, they're teachers. They're prophets. They're leaders. And they're unique from one another. There's, there's, uh, there's variety among them. There's diversity among them. Listen to their names. Listen to their story. There's Barnabas. Barnabas, that's not even his real name. That's his nickname. It's a name that literally means son of encouragement. Here's a guy who was an encourager, and he was a huge donor. 
Like some, somebody makes donations for the church for the mission to go forward because missions is mission critical to the church. So people make donations. And here's Barnabas. He was known to actually sell land that he owned and take the money and give it to the church. That's Barnabas. He's one of their teachers. Simeon was one of their prophets or teachers. He's also called Niger, which is the Latin word for black. He's a black man who's a pastor in the early church which is fascinating, the unity and the diversity in that church would speak to Sacramento today with the stuff that's going on in our own community. It would speak to them today. We are called by God to love everyone in our community, everyone, the ones who are different from us, the ones who are the same as us. In our church, we have police officers who are part of our church. We have African Americans who are part of our church. We are called to and we want to love both and bring them together. They did in the early church. The next one is Lucius. He's a Greek man. His name is a, it's a Greek name. He's a Greek man, but he's from uh, Libya on the north coast of Africa. Manaean is another one of their prophets or teachers. He, it says he grew up with Herod the Tetrarch. Herod the Tetrarch is the son of King Herod, crazy King Herod, the one who took out all the baby boys in Bethlehem after Jesus had been born. This was his son, and Manaean grew up with him. Here's Manaean. He's a teacher in the church in Antioch, and he's a man of huge influence and connection. And then the last one in the list is a man named Saul. He was the biggest antagonist to the church in the early days of the church. He was arresting Christians. He was persecuting Christians until he actually literally saw the light and turned toward Christ. And became a missionary for Christ's sake. See, they're having this, they're having this worship time. They're having this prayer time. They're fasting They're skipping food to focus on Christ. They're praying. They're worshiping. And in the middle of that, the Holy Spirit said to the church, set aside for me Barnabas and Saul. I've got work for them to do. And God's going to send them out to be missionaries. Here's how their story goes. Verse 4. The two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia, and sailed from there to Cyprus. When they arrived in Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. They traveled through the whole island until they, got, they came to Paphos. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus, who was an attendant of the proconsul, Sergius Paulus. You do not have to remember all these names. I paid good money in seminary to figure out how to say these names, so you're going to hear them. The proconsul, which is another word for governor... The proconsul was an intelligent man. He sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elimus, the sorcerer, for that's what his name means, which is not really helpful when they tell you his name is Bar-Jesus and they go, you want to know what that means? It means Elimus. Good. Anyway, it says he opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. He can see the proconsul is going toward Jesus and he wants to stop him from that. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit. He looked straight at Elimus and said, you're a child of the devil, an enemy of everything that is right. You're full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You're going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. Immediately mist and darkness came over him and he groped about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. But when the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed 
for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. Here's the first mission trip. Here's the first missionaries, Barnabas and Saul, who was also called Paul. And they leave Antioch, they go down to the coast, they catch a boat, they get on a ship, and they, go, they sail across the Mediterranean Sea a little bit to get to the island of Cyprus. They land on the east coast of Cyprus in a town called Salamis. I, you can't make this stuff up. It's right across the harbor from Pepperonis. That stuff you can make up. That's not true. That's just Sasha's talk, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, they get to Salamis, and here's what they do. They go into the Jewish synagogue, and they start talking to people about Jesus. Why did they do that? It's because that door was open to them. See, they were Jewish rabbis, and when they arrived in town, the Jewish people heard they were there. They go, oh, you guys teach about God. Why don't you come into our synagogue and tell us about what you know about God? And so they did. They just followed the open doors. That's what missionaries often do. It's like, where are the open doors? Where's God paving a way for us to get the story of Jesus out? And they followed the open doors, and the mission of Christ made headway. And then they made their way across from the east coast of the island across to the west. They got to a town called Paphos. And when they get there, there's this Jewish guy there. And he's Jewish, but he's a sorcerer, which is an oxymoron. Because Jews were not to be involved in the occult. They were not to be involved in sorcery or witchcraft or anything like that. So it was an oxymoron to say, here's a Jewish sorcerer. So they said also he's a false prophet. And Paul and Barnabas opposed him. But meanwhile, this guy worked for the governor, and they want to reach the governor. Because if you can reach the governor, if you can reach the leader, a lot of times other people will follow as well. It's the principle of oikos, right? We talk about oikos a lot, which is the Greek word for household or network. And oikos just says there's people in your front row of your life that God has placed there, and he wants you to love them and care for them and lead them. So Paul and Barnabas are reaching out to this proconsul, this governor, but this Jewish sorcerer is getting in the way. And so they, they responded to him. For a while he was blind. But when the proconsul saw what was going on and heard the teaching about Jesus, he believed. And the mission of Christ made headway. When I was in my last year of seminary, seminary is graduate school for pastors, pastor types, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm about three or four months from graduating from school, and I'm so excited because God's called me to be a pastor, and I've, got, I've almost got all my training done to be a pastor, and I'm going to graduate, and I'm going to go serve a church, and it's going to be all amazing, and we're going to rock the world for Christ's sake. And I, I just can't wait for it. And one day, we're having lunch uh, down in the basement under the chapel, and myself and two buddies, and one buddy, his name's Frank, He's, Frank goes, hey, Brad, when we graduate, I'm going to leave, we were in Portland, Oregon, he goes, I'm going to leave Portland, and I'm going to go down to Medford, Oregon, and we're going to start a church there. Why don't you come with me, and we'll start a church together? And I said, no. I'm not doing that. I said, God called me to be a pastor, not a church planter. Then my other buddy, Steve, he's sitting right there, and he goes, hey, no, 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 don't do that. When we graduate, my wife and I are going to go to the Philippines because there's a job opening there for a church planting assistant. We're going to help missionaries start churches, and there's another position that's 50 miles away, and you and Donna can go take one position. We'll take the other position. We'll be sort of neighbors, and we'll start churches together in the Philippines. And then I said, no, I'm not doing that. God didn't call me to be a church planter. He called me to be a pastor. 
A little sidebar on that story, my wife, ended up, my wife and I ended up going to the Philippines to serve as church planting assistants in, for a year. And my friend Steve and his wife never went. Came back after that year, I, we, we served, a little church got going, and some good things happened there, but I just felt like at the end of that year, I just really didn't have the gifts that were required and the calling that was required to be a missionary for the rest of my career. So we came back, we served in a church in Santa Cruz for a couple of years, and then I was hearing this from God, just knocking on my door a little bit. I think he'd been knocking for about four years by this time, and, and, and I, I didn't know what he was saying, but he kept crossing my path with these people that were church planters, people that were starting churches around the region or around the world, and he kept crossing my path with them, and after a while, I'm like, there's a knocking on my door, what is that? And that's, you know, God didn't say this to me audibly, but it's, I kind of figured out, it's like God saying to me, Brad, I, I want you to go start a church, and I said, no, <laughs> which is really not smart. I said, no, you didn't call me to be a church planter. You called me to be a pastor. And then I was pretty clear that God said back to me, you know, you could actually plant the church and then pastor it. (laughs) That's how Lakeside Church started. See... (laughs) (laughs) Missions is mission critical to the church and for the last 31 years the church the mission of the church has been making headway in our community because of all those things that have happened because God was willing to say I'm going to send out missionaries and sometimes they're professionals like they get paid to do this job and sometimes they're just people that are Christians People that look like Jesus, people that live like Jesus, and they just love their oikos wherever they are. They love their neighbors wherever they are, and the mission of Christ goes forward. The mission of Christ makes headway. That's what we're about. That's what we're doing. Now, we have a lot of partners that work in this, in this journey with us, and I want John to come up and help me uh, tell this story. John and his wife, Tanya, have been with Lakeside kind of off and on, but f- from week two, uh, John's seen this mission in action and being a huge part of the mission in action among us. So let's just talk a little bit about uh, what, the, what the pieces are of our mission journey, okay? So I mentioned Oikos already. That's really where it begins because Oikos is where you're involved right up front all the time. Because God has put these people, 8 to 15 people, in the front row of your life who he wants you to love and care for in the name of Jesus. That's our job. That's our calling. That's what, that's what God wants for us, all of us. So we're working on that first. That's just where it begins. Yeah. And then it goes into some other projects and personnel, like other partners that we have. Yeah, and we have a fire hose of info for you today. So uh, say yes. ah. Yeah, or don't. Because, <laughs> Because it's coming. All right. So uh, if we all got invited to go out to breakfast with Jesus, and he's buying because he's generous that way. Uh, and we're probably going to Sutter Street Grill, by the way, because that's, that's yeah. what he would pick. Uh, so we're sitting there having biscuits and gravy, calorie-free with Jesus. And he asks us um, one question. If he just asks us one question, I don't think he's going to ask me if I've cleaned up my potty mouth. I don't think he's going to ask me how I'm doing with my Bible study. I don't think he's going to ask us how we're doing with our Greek and Hebrew studies. I think what he's going to ask us is if we're loving people, 
You know, how are we loving the people around us? How are we uh, asking the tough questions about the needs in our community and how are we meeting those needs? So one of the things that we decided to do over the last couple of years ago, which I'm so excited about this, is we've upped the ante for our staff on what we expect all of our staff to bring to the table when it comes to outreach and missions. So we look at this community and the surrounding communities and we say there's a bunch of needs here. How are we going to be innovative, imaginative, creative in meeting those needs? So we're doing one thing uh, called Outside 745, 745 Oak Avenue Parkway is our address here. Uh, and we said all of the stuff what we do on campus totally counts. It's, it's beautiful. But we think that God is calling us to ask big questions about the needs in our community. And we want to get out there and do things. So one of our flagship uh, things that we have done with Outside 745 is we did uh, a, an event called Hopeful Circle. You may remember that. A few months ago, we got a bunch of artists in the round in the community center. We had a good time together. Investing in the arts in our community would be a great thing anyway, but when we did that, we were able to raise a bunch of money, uh, over $8,000, I I think is what we raised for that, and uh, we were able to give it to Folsom's Hope that's investing in families here in our community. So uh, we're doing beautiful things. So every year now, our staff has to come to the table a literal table and metaphorical, Uh, we come to the table and we present our best ideas. And then we all talk about them. We we brainstorm them. We troubleshoot them. And then we launch our staff out into the community. Uh, So we'll be talking some more about that over the next uh, few weeks. But no, that's one of the things that we're doing here is outside 745. Yeah. And then we have partners that we work with as well. It's not just what we do, but we're joining up with others. No, 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 no. It's not just what we do, but we wanted to make sure that we weren't just putting that burden on somebody else, right? Right. It's not just somebody else's job. It's all of our job to be asking about those needs. So beyond our staff, we have a bunch of partners in the area. Uh, One uh, of those partners that we want to celebrate today is Twin Lakes Food Bank. This is a big duh, right? Taking care of people who don't have food, who don't have the means to take care of themselves. And they've been doing this for years. We love partnering with them. We give money to them uh, every single month to be able to stock their shelves. But then we also, every year, participate in food drives and, and special events and things that they're doing. They have an organic produce, you know, you can get uh, from their garden right there. They're giving away uh, uh, baby formula and baby diapers every week. And our food drives that we participate in uh, help stock those shelves. They do a thing, or they have like a mantra where they say, hunger doesn't take a summer vacation, Mm -hmm. which is beautiful. So last year, we filled a Toyota Hilux pickup time and time again. We had it parked in the lobby, and we filled it with food to be able to put on their shelves for the summer. Uh, This summer, uh, we're running the food drive through our Blitz summer camp. So the kids are going to be giving financially to the food bank, but also uh, we're going to have a tent on the property, and we're going to be filling it. Everybody, we're inviting everybody to fill that tent over and over again so that we can have food and, and um, beautiful things to share with our community. Yeah, that's awesome. Another one of our partners that we, the, we team up with in our community is Powerhouse Ministries. A lot of you know Powerhouse. One of the things that happens with our local partners is sometimes you're looking for a place to volunteer and you go, oh, I don't think I'm really good at Kids Fest or I'm not, I might not be good with middle schoolers or something. But I, I'd like to volunteer in the community. And so our partners are are a great place to do that. Powerhouse Ministries is one of them. They care for some of the most needy people in our community. Uh, They have some transitional housing programs, one for women. They have one for young men who are, like, coming out of high school. They haven't had good models growing up, so they're coaching them along in terms of what it looks like to be a a Christ-honoring man in our culture and how to be responsible and live well in our culture. 
And uh, so a lot of great things that Powerhouse is doing. When we did the uh, Christmas Around Town, it's Powerhouse that leads that. We host it, and uh, John Ingram, uh, our Kids Fest director, does a great job of, of organizing it on our end, but it really is run and led by Powerhouse Ministries. Uh, another partner we want to make you aware of, if you, if you don't know this already, Higher Power was a, a ministry that was launched through Lakeside. My good friend John Heath came up from the Bay Area. He said, I would really like to lead a recovery celebration and encouragement ministry here through the church. Uh, it grew through Lakeside and now has become its own nonprofit, and we support that uh, every single month. It, imagine this. like uh, It's on a Friday night because if you're struggling with alcohol addiction or any addiction, Friday nights are a big deal, right? And so instead of being out in the club next door over here, Friday nights at 7 o'clock, we have fantastic music, uh, food, and community, and encouragement for everybody to be part of. We love what they're doing. Uh, that and the food bank are super near and dear to my heart because when it comes to food, I, I stood in food lines with my dad growing up, mm. getting government cheese and, and wondering that where the next paycheck is coming from. But then when it comes to things like higher power, uh, you know, I grew up in an alcoholic home. Um, my dad's been clean uh, because of recovery programs like that and because of uh, Jesus working through people. And so uh, I'm, I'm very passionate yeah. about what they're doing over there. Yeah, awesome. Another one of our partners is Folsom's Hope. So John talked about the hopeful circle and how that went to raise some support for Folsom's Hope. We have given hundreds of thousands of dollars over the last few years to be able to get them ready to build that building that they're going to build on the property of Theodore Judah School. Miraculous things are happening through them. But the remarkable thing for me is I'm, I'm serving on one of their committees now to help steer that forward and help them get that building off the ground. And I've been able to see some of the reports about children in our community. A lot of times we look at Folsom and go, oh, it's Folsom, man. Everyone's got resources and we're all well-to-do and it's all good. And yet there are pockets of people around us that, whose children don't have enough food. And so they actually qualify for school lunches, free school lunches, free school breakfasts in our community. But what's even, what's even more uh, heartrending about that is that it's not just that they're below the poverty line and need some assistance. It's that because, there's, uh, because it's a, a, an affluent community, the schools here in our town don't qualify for some uh, government aid for them. And so they, just, they kind of fall through the cracks. There, there's holes there in the system. And so Folsom's Hope fills those holes and cares for those children and their families to be able to raise them up and train them up and encourage them of what it looks like to live well in our, com in our community and in our world. Yeah, that's good. So uh, here's another story. I, so I like to job shadow people. So I might call you sometime and ask if I can go to work with you because I like to see what's happening behind the scenes with people. I make my, my own national take your pastor to work day, and you may be part of that <laughs> sometime. But we started thinking about what it would look like to job shadow our partners. And so we have an event that's coming up on Tuesday, April 2nd. Uh, from 9 to 1.30, we're going to meet here at Lakeside. We're going to meet with our local partners, have conversation, question and answer time with them. We're going to share a meal together. There's going to be good coffee, maybe donuts, no promises. Uh, but, uh, but then we're going to go out into the community and see what's happening behind the scenes at every single one of their places. So if uh, you want to take the day off, do it. If you want to go into work late, take a personal day, whatever it is. If you can arrange to be here on Tuesday, April 2nd, I think it'll 
it'll be a, a fascinating time. I, and you need to register for this online. So go to lakesidechurch.com and you'll see Tour Tuesday advertised there and sign up for that. That would be a good thing. Right on. So now, that's, what's, that's what's happening here. Good. Let's take it, the show on the road. Yes, we'll go on the road. So it, now, if you hop on a plane and you fly to Africa... Right, And then it's kind of a planes, trains, and automobiles kind of a situation. Uh, and you go to a place called Mozambique Island, which is off the east coast of Africa. Then some of our favorite people, uh, which we consider them kind of extended staff. Uh, we have the Schmidt family and the Barros family. Maybe you saw Wellington uh, sing in church here a few months ago. He had the voice of an angel. It was like Enrique Iglesias when he sang. He could have sang, Jesus is going to punch you in the face, and I would have raised my hands because <laughs> it, was, it was absolutely beautiful. But they are, they are working with people on Mozambique Island. It has a history that's really dark. It was part of the slave trade uh, of Africa, and they have tunnels on the island still that are evidence where people were ripped from their families and taken through tunnels and loaded on ships, right? Well, this has kind of loomed over this island for, for years, for decades. And so they're investing in the people in the community, giving them pride, giving them a name, giving them leadership capabilities, and they're employing them. So they have a hotel and restaurant called Rickshaws on the island. Uh, and they are employing the community and breathing life into it. And we love what they're doing over there. You've been there. I've been there. And actually, you can go there as well. So we, one of the ways we describe what they're doing is business as mission. And so they're running this business, but to make it a mission and to be able to use that as a platform to talk to people about Jesus who either work there or people that stay there as guests or those kinds of things, you can actually participate in what's called vacation as mission. I'm not making this up. No, you can go to good. Mozambique Island. You can stay in the hotel. You can support what they're doing there as they're bringing the gospel to the people on that island and in that region. Really a cool thing. I think Donna and I are, are in. That's good. Yeah. Where do you want to fly next? What I, uh, I'm going to fly to um, uh, Malawi next. Malawi. Yeah, so Malawi's okay. not far from right Mozambique, next right next door. You could actually get there by bus if you wanted or a car or something like that. So uh, Malawi is a place where we have one of our own lakesiders, Mary Beth Sexton, like the most passionate follower of Jesus I've ever met in my life. And uh, she, she came home from a short-term mission trip to Malawi one time. She sold her house. She sold all of her stuff. She got a bunch of us to sell everything we had in our garage. And she took that money, and she moved to Malawi. And she started several schools there. Some school, like one school she leads, is a school for people that can afford to pay their own way. And that helps fund some of the other schools she does, like a school for children whose parents cannot pay their own way. She's got these schools going on, and they're all designed to help her have a platform to tell people about Jesus and how much he loves them. And uh, so that's what goes on when we, when we land in Malawi. And by the way, a lot of these places that we're talking about today, we are going to have some upcoming opportunities for you to be involved in for actually some short-term missions trips. So we're going to keep you apprised of that situation, let you know what's going on. But if we hop on a plane from Africa and we go to Zurich, Switzerland. Which who wouldn't want to go to Zurich, Switzerland? Right. So, uh, and then if you get in a car and drive about an hour and a half, you're going to go into the Black Forest of Germany to a town there called Condern. Which, by the way, is the birthplace of John Sutter. John Sutter of Sutter Sutter's Middle Mill, School. Sutter's Fort, Sutter, Sutter Middle School. All of that. Yeah, right? all that. Johann Sutter, birthplace. His, his right. original uh, mill is there in Condor. Right. Our friends, the Libertys, are there, and they are investing in people in some 
unbelievable, miraculous ways uh, through uh, the arts, specifically. That's one of the things they do. Working with refugees and in refugee camps and centers, there are refugees that are coming from Syria and Iraq and Iran and Beirut and North Africa, and they're all ending up in this area, and they are doing a beautiful job of loving people. We're actually taking a trip there. I'm taking some people over at the end of June, beginning of July, to work in the refugee centers and do some street ministry and investing in the churches in that area to be able to love people well yeah it's awesome so all right good. we gotta make our plane trips a little faster but uh oh. we're gonna fly from germany to chile okay chile long strip of land on uh, south america uh, on the west coast of south america down at the bottom uh this is our friend uh, ernesto and adriana alfaro and their family and they are investing in leaders over there as well they're doing education kinds of programs. They're starting youth groups. Uh, we started working with them when they were in Costa Rica, and we've been working with them for a few years. Beautiful people. Uh, we'll be taking a trip over there uh, October, November, too, to invest in what they're doing with some leadership things uh, to breathe life into the church and even build up some dilapidated areas and uh, infrastructure that needs to have some cool. tender, loving care. All right. We want to get some. Thi- we want to get people involved in some things, right? So yes. how can we be involved? Well, so Tour Tuesday... Register for that online. Uh, And then out in the lobby, there are cards on a table with all of the partners we've talked about today and some more that you can be praying for. Uh, Put it on, uh, you know, your magnet board, your refrigerator. uh, Keep it on your desk, your car, and be praying about what God is doing here with our partners and abroad. Yeah. On that same table where the partner cards are, there's some other cards. We would love it if after our gathering today, you'd take two or three minutes, stop by the table, and write a note to one of our partners. Write a note to one of these missionaries that's out there, and you go, ah, I don't know any of them. They won't care if they know you or not. They will be so grateful to hear from someone from home, from their home church. It's like, I'm concerned about you. I'm praying for you. We talked about you today in church. Here's a note. Thanks for what you're doing. And just leave it on the table. We're, we'll take them. We're going we're gonna to compile those and mail them off about once a month to our various partners so that they get encouragement throughout the year from Lakeside. So take advantage of that. Okay. Last thing we want you to know about and be involved in is you all, when you receive Lakeside Life today, you got this card in there. This is a mission commitment card, for lack of a better term for it. And uh, every year we create a budget for our home mission season for the year from this season when we're talking about missions. We have a, we have a dollar goal to be able to support all this stuff we're talking about, of course, takes money. And so we're yeah. talking about a goal of what, John, to get this $251,000 to continue doing what we're doing, to consider new partners this year, to up the ante for some partners we're already supporting, uh, to fund outside 745 and uh, take care of emergencies as they arise through the year. So. so we want you to take the card. You don't have to do anything with it today, but I'd love it if you would take the card, take it home, and pray about it. You know, the, the church in Acts 13, the church in Antioch, they moved Barnabas and, and Paul out onto the mission field uh, because they prayed together. And I just want you to do that with your family. Just spend some time with your family praying about how you might be involved. Maybe it's financially, and this gives you some ways to do it. We'll talk about it again next weekend. We'll bring these cards next weekend, and we'll make our commitments then. But I want you to have a week or so to pray about it and to ask God about it and engage with the thought of, God, what do you want me to do? to be able to advance that mission so that the mission of Christ makes headway through Lakeside in the year ahead. Good? That's good. All right, thanks, John. Appreciate it, man.
All right, let's pray together, you guys. Father in heaven, thanks so much for your goodness to us. What grace you pour out on us every day, every moment. We're grateful for that. Lord, today uh, we have been talking about our missionaries, and we're talking about how much the mission means to you and how much it means to us. So I just pray that you'll stir us and move us and shape us in the way you want us to be. And Lord, if it's regarding resources, if it's regarding uh, going on the tour behind the scenes with our local partners, if it's going on mission trips, whatever that thing is, Lord, lead us and may our ears be tuned up to listen to what you have to say to us. Lord, thank you. We love you. Amen.